0: I recognize, as Jonathan has been saying, that this is a weird Sunday as well uh, because of Noah's resignation last week. And I want to, in particular, recognize that we know that some of you were not here last week and may not have been on the members' full and affiliate email list. And so the first time that you heard that Noah is resigning may have actually been a few minutes ago. And no matter where we fall on a few minutes ago of that shock where we heard it last week, or whenever you heard about this happening, uh, we are pretty acutely aware of the fact that we have walked right into a season of difficulty and maybe some unknown uncertainty as a church, and you're probably at some point right now or last week processing a little bit of shock. And so while this is the first Sunday of Advent, Instead of looking at a traditional Advent passage, instead I wanted to turn to the passage of Scripture that I turn to when I'm feeling shock and overwhelm and stress. That's Psalm 121. Probably other than the Lord's Prayer, which I've been memorized in my head since I was like three, this is probably the passage of Scripture that I have read and recited to myself over any other passage in Scripture. It is where I turn in the midst of trouble. It is where I turn when I need help. And you'll notice I don't normally make a big deal of my sermon titles. I normally come up with them like last. But this sermon title uh, actually gives us a little bit of direction of how we are going to encounter and move through this psalm. Uh, And it's titled Psalm 121, Three Ways. Uh, I love cooking shows. Uh, I really like the Food Network. I'm sure if you looked, like I'm pretty sure real days of my life in the number of hours have been spent watching like recipe videos on YouTube. There's something really therapeutic to me about watching someone start with chaos and put it all in a pot and then you have something beautiful at the end. And at the height of that is this show on the Food Network called Chopped, if you've never seen it. Uh, They put a basket in front of professional chefs, and inside this basket are things they've never seen, and they are ridiculous. It'll be something like uh, apple juice, mustard greens, squid, and uh, a russet potato. Not a Yukon Gold, but a russet potato. And in 30 minutes, they have to create a cohesive dish that incorporates all four of these really wild ingredients. And then what I really love is they're professional chefs, so they're fancy, and they come to these other professional chefs, and they have to name their dish, and they made it up on the spot. Fifteen minutes ago, they were still saying, like, I don't know what I'm making. I'm just putting stuff in a pot. And so they come up, and they say, chef, this dish is potatoes three ways, and it sounds really fancy, but what they did is they boiled them, mashed them, stuck them in a stew, and they moved on. And, uh, They created something cohesive from chaos, uh, but a little bit of that chaos remains. And so we are looking at Psalm 121 three ways, because we are going to encounter it three ways, but there's only one point. This is not a traditional Presbyterian three-point sermon, and I'm sorry about that, but there are three encounters, three ways of encountering the psalm. And the point, I'm stealing it, I'm just... 100% stole the words for the point from the wonderful hymn. It's been made popular by the Gettys. Uh, It's, He Will Hold You Fast. Which, if you haven't heard that hymn, go listen to it. He Will Hold You Fast. Let's read Psalm 121 together. I lift up my eyes to the hills... The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we come to your word you promised that your word would not go out void. We need you, Jesus. And by coming to your word, we know that we have you because your spirit is speaking. And so would I decrease that you may increase. Would we all see your glory and your care? But most importantly, would we see you, King Jesus? I pray in your name. Amen. This psalm, Psalm 121, begins with a question. I lift up my eyes to the hills From where does my help come from? And underneath that question is an assumption. Underneath the fact that they're asking the question is the fact that they need help. Jesus will hold you fast, but to know that you need him to hold you fast means that you are assuming you cannot hold yourself. Jesus is your helper and your keeper, but to say, Lord, be my helper, means that you must admit and assume that you cannot help yourself, that we are dependent solely upon Jesus, the Lord, to be our keeper. Now, we don't know exactly when this psalm was written. It is a psalm of ascent meaning that three times a year the people of Israel would go from all of their little towns like, you know, Galilee or Bethlehem, and they would go to Jerusalem for one of the three major feasts of the years. And Jerusalem was the highest mountain in Israel. So it's a psalm of ascent, meaning they're going up and up, and the closer they get to Israel, the higher they get to the mountain, on the mountain. Which, side note, means, uh, while this isn't a traditional Advent hymn, As you look in Luke and you see that they take Jesus uh, on Passover when he is a young boy, Jesus would have sung this psalm in his incarnation. Jesus would have been moving towards Jerusalem three times a year, and he would have sung this psalm with his family as they were marching to Jerusalem. And probably as he's going for Passover before his death, he and his disciples were singing this psalm. But it's been around for a long time, and it mentions the hills. It was likely written, the best case because of, of what it's talking about, is it was written in the midst of when high places were a big issue in Israel. You can read through First and Second Kings. They're all over the place. And what that means is that around Israel, there were false gods. And false gods, pagan idols, Baal or Asherah or Molech, or, there's a litany of them. Uh, They were worshipped on the tops of hills because a hill is a little bit closer to the heavens, and so the earth was theoretically closer to these false gods. But then those idols began to come into Israel. They began to seep, not just outside, but they began to come in. And there were worship places for Baal and Asherah littered throughout Israel. And so if you're marching from Galilee to Jerusalem, you are passing the worship sites of other gods in order to go worship the Lord. And this psalm is saying, I lift up my eyes to the hills, I lift up my eyes, and I see there's that God there, there's that God there, there's that God over there. Where does my help come from? Because all of these gods would promise help, but all of them also required sacrifice. Every one of the false gods would have required you to give something of yourself to earn their help to gain it from them. At best, it was money. At worst, it was a loved one. But they all required an idolatrous sacrifice from you. And so this psalm is written in the context of saying, can that God help me? Can that God help me? No, I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to the Lord, as he made the heaven and earth. I love the fact that this psalm is honest about the fact that when we feel like we need help, those other gods are more tempting than when we feel like we're okay. I love the fact that they are honest, that when we feel uncertain about what's happening in our lives, the, the sneaky promises for a quick fix from all of the idols in our world, in our day, in our age, become really tempting. But they all require a sacrifice. They all, to this day, anything other than the Lord to get a quick fix from another helper is to sacrifice something from yourself. Whereas on the other hand, our help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He made it already. It already belongs to him. He is our helper. Since Noah's resignation... Um, I've been hurting. I know a lot of you have been hurting our church, our community, we've been hurting. We are acutely aware of the fact that we need help. We are acutely aware that we are in a verse two, "Where does my help come from? What is going to happen? We're in distress." Which means there are lots of other temptations that are going to be really appealing. And to just name one that is perhaps one of the most tempting temptations that Christians and churches have always faced is the desire to do the Lord's work, but to do it from man's strength. And I will confess, I've been thinking about this sermon now for weeks, knowing that it was on the heels of Noah's resignation, that we have a congregational meeting in a few uh, minutes, and this is just a really difficult Sunday for everybody. And part of me wanted to say, let me just preach a sermon that is so good, it will all be okay. It's good to go to the Lord, to come before him, let his word speak to us. That's the Lord's work, but I wanted to do it for my own strength. And I would get stuck and anxious and spin through all of the wheels of my head and have nothing until I prayed. <laughs> and then the spirit would work and the words would come out again in my preparation. We must be very careful That as we walk through this season, church, that we don't look to our own strength, but that we remember that our help comes from the Lord. We have an opportunity to say no to our temptations, no to the idols, no to the quick fixes, no to all of those other things that give us some semblance of help in order to fix our eyes on Jesus and follow him. Because unlike all of those false, puny idols that require us to sacrifice, a sacrifice still has to be made for the Lord's help, but he has made it himself. Our Father in heaven sacrificed his one and only Son in order to lavish us with his grace in order to freely pour out his help upon us. And so the Lord can be our help, and he can firm up the shaky ground underneath us with the firm foundation of his promises because Jesus has accomplished and won and bought our help by his death on the cross. Because Jesus has already done everything needed in order to make sure that when we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I need your help, he says, okay, let me give it freely. I would delight and I would enjoy to give it to you. Jesus has already gotten it for you. Every other idol will begrudgingly help and offer something in exchange. Jesus came to us. He came into our mess. He came into our need. He saw our help with his human eyes. And he died on the cross so that he can give and give and give. And give his gracious and steadfast love and aid. So if you are looking for help, if you are looking for direction, and we all are, that sounds like the best option. (laughs) That is the God who made the heaven and the earth. That is the God who promises to be our helper. It's Jesus, and he will hold us fast. I told you we would encounter it in a few ways, though. Uh, 1.3 ways. And so here's the second way we're going to encounter Psalm 121. Uh, If you notice in verses 1 and 2, uh, it says, I lift up my eyes. Uh, My help comes from the Lord. That's in the first person. And then look in verse 3, where it says, He will not let your foot be moved. That's the second person. Which means Psalm 121 is a call and response. That means it was designed for someone who is in distress to say, where does my help come from? And then all of your brothers and sisters in Christ can come around around side you and alongside you and say, the Lord is your keeper. That as we cry for help, we are given the words to respond As we say, where is my help? Then we can all come together and we can pronounce promises over one another. And so here's the second way we're going to encounter it. We're not walking to Jerusalem. We're sitting in a room, but I'm going to read verses one and two. And then I'm going to ask that you as a congregation, I'm going to stop. And then you are going to read verses three to the end again. You can do it. I know, I know we're not, We are the frozen chosen, but we can do this. The words are here. You don't have to move away from the words that God gave us. But know that when you're doing that, you are reading God's promises to the person in the pew next to you and to everyone else in this room. So I'm going to read, and then I'm going to stop. And you'll start in verse 3 and follow it all the way to the end. And we'll encounter it a little bit more like uh, originally intended. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is your keeper, your guardian, and your help. And I'm just going to briefly walk through these promises and close. Jesus will hold you fast in the small struggles of life because he will not let your foot be moved. Quite literally, he, will, he cares about your sprained ankles or more figuratively, when life is pushing hard against you and you feel like you're slipping, he will not let you be moved. He will hold you fast. Jesus will hold you fast when you have to go to sleep. Whether because you're just exhausted from the difficulties of the day or you don't want to put down all of those plates, you keep spinning, but you have to, to sleep, because you're human. He, quite literally, does not fall asleep on the job. Jesus will hold you fast. He will hold you fast when life has beaten you down like the hot sun in the middle of summer can give heat exhaustion or heat stroke. He will hold you fast in the middle of the night when the darkness makes your fears and your anxieties a little bit more powerful as they race through your mind. He will hold you fast. The moon shall not strike you by night. The promise is not that life will be easy. It is acknowledging that there's distress. The Bible is littered with affirmation of suffering, but what is promised here is that He will keep you from all evil. <clears throat> he will keep your life, whereas the King James Version puts it, He will preserve your soul no matter what comes your way. And so. The reason I had you read those verses out, not just to encounter it in a new way, but is for this reason. We don't know how long we will be without a pastor. We just don't. We have goals, and we will tell you that goal. Uh, But we don't know the future. And so I'm going to ask that as a church, we begin practicing Psalm 121. And there will be times when you are wondering where our help comes from. And you are in the middle of distress, and you are thinking about those questions, and you should just say them. You should speak them out loud. And then I'm asking that the brother and sister in Christ that you are talking to come alongside you, and they say, the Lord is our keeper. He will hold us fast. Our help at this church comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. If that's you talking to yourself in your mirror, do it pronounce God's promises over each other because the Lord is our keeper and we need to hear that from each other many times over and over and over again. I have a sticky note on my computer monitor in my office and have now for weeks since I found out because I've needed to know this over and over again that Jesus is the one holding our church. And I have had I've looked every morning at these words. It is not my job to hold up First Pres It's not Jonathan's job. It's actually not the session's job. It won't be a transitional pastor's job, and it won't be a new senior pastor's job. That job squarely and solely rests on the shoulders of Jesus. From him, our help comes. Our job is to point to him. Because while, we're at, while we are without a senior pastor, we are not, we cannot, and we will not be without the Lord and head of the church, Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, the great shepherd of our sheep, our helper, and our keeper. And that is the best news that we have. And so let me close by explaining to you the third and final encounter with Psalm 121 you notice that there is not a a final congregational hymn in your worship folder. And that's because I've asked Daniel uh, to—he is amazing. Uh, Thank you, Daniel, for learning a new song. It's my favorite rendition of Psalm 121, Put to Music. It's by Nathan Clark George. He is the worship leader at Christ Covenant Church in Matthews, North Carolina, so Charlotte. Uh, And uh, he used to be a Christian musician, and this is his version of just putting the King James— Version into lyrics. And so I'll close this in prayer and then we'll get to have these promises sung over us once again. Let's pray. Jesus, you will hold us fast and that is what we need. You are our keeper You will not let the sun strike us by day nor the moon by night. You will keep us from all evil. You will keep our life. And so no matter what happens, we know that we are safe in your hands, that you are holding us, and we give you great thanks. In your name we pray, amen.
1: lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Shall neither slumber nor sleep I lift up mine eyes to the hills From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord Maker of heaven and earth And he shall watch over thee He is thy shade at thy right hand. The sun shall not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. And the Lord shall protect thee from all evil, and he shall preserve thy soul, and he shall watch over thy comings and goings from this time. help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth.